The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. A plan to let parents use tax dollars to pay for private education takes shape at the Capitol. The governor says it can happen without hurting public schools. We can have it both ways. We can both improve public education while at the very same time empower our parents. But the plan faces critics on both sides of the aisle. Taking money out of the public school system um, to help a few that already have more choices than the kids I represent do, I think it's just categorically wrong. We look closer at the battle ahead over school choice in Texas. New bipartisan legislation promises to make the state's power grid more reliable. This is a starting point of powering Texas forward. What the plan does and why it's raising concerns about higher power bills for Texans. Big changes could be coming at the Capitol to make safety records on Texas veterinarians more transparent. But not all vets like what could be in store. Our investigation coming up. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. Texas lawmakers filed a record number of bills before Friday's deadline. The final day brought a flood of bills. Among them, legislation focused on a top Republican priority this session, school choice. Capitol reporter Ryan Chandler looks closer at the bill and why it's raising concerns. Our schools are for education, not indoctrination. Governor Abbott's push for what he calls parental rights, making its way into legislation on Friday. There's been a, a grass fire across this nation for parental uh, choice and uh, educational empowerment. State Senator Brandon Creighton chairs the Senate Education Committee. He hopes his Senate Bill 8 will fund education savings accounts with as much as $8,000 per family. That's a new plan to use state money to help some families send their kids to private school. This is education freedom. This is making sure that the state of Texas falls in line where we should be leading. Democrats argue that plan will take money from public schools and some Republicans are still skeptical. I think it's just categorically wrong. Panhandle Republican Ken King sits on the Public Education Committee in the House. He says this plan, what he calls school vouchers, would be a bad idea for his students and even for private schools. When you ask a private school to uh, take the STAR test or to participate in our A through F accountability system, I don't think they're going to be very interested in a voucher because those things would eat up whatever they made off the voucher. Senator Creighton and Governor Abbott insist, however, that public school funding will increase this session. We are all uh, fully intentioned to lift up public schools with the funding they need and also provide education opportunities that those need, that need it most and those can reconcile. Ryan Chandler state of Texas. Governor Abbott has been traveling around the state working to get his support for his school choice plan. When it comes to education, parents matter. It's just that simple. Parents deserve education freedom to be able to help their child succeed. And the way to do that is through school choice with state funded education savings accounts. The governor spoke Thursday to an audience in Tyler. He touted his plan to let parents use tax dollars to pay for private education, but he also promised to add billions of dollars in funding for public education, including more raises for teachers. So this is not an either-or situation. People say you've got to either be for school choice or for public schools, one or the other. Have it one way or the other. That's not the case. 
We can have it both ways. We can both improve public education while at the very same time empower our parents. The governor called on the audience in Tyler to reach out to their lawmakers to help push for the school choice plan. That's significant because, as we've told you, the governor faces a lot of opposition to his plan, and it's coming from Democrats and Republicans. What I know about charter schools and magnet schools and private schools, they typically don't go to the inner city and they don't come to rural Texas because there's not the student population to support them. So taking money out of the public school system um, to help a few that already have more choices than the kids I represent do, I think it's just categorically wrong. Um, I'm for all kids in Texas, not just the ones that live next to a private school. The Texas Council of Administrators of Special Education also came out against the governor's proposal. They're concerned because private schools are not held to the same standard for special education resources. Lawmakers in the Texas House filed six priority bills focused on education. The bills address school funding, school safety, and the challenge of hiring and keeping teachers. Representative Harold Dutton of Houston filed HB 11. The bill would raise per-pupil funding going to school districts. It also boosts the minimum salary for teachers in Texas. Since 2019, the lowest amount a teacher with 10 years of experience could make is $45,000 a year. Under Dutton's bill, certified teachers with at least 10 years of experience would make at least 60000 Another bill would require at least one armed security officer be present at every Texas school campus. Representative Dustin Burroughs of Lubbock filed that legislation. He chaired the House Committee investigating the Uvalde school shooting, where a gunman killed 19 children and two teachers. The bills are part of House Speaker Dade Phelan's list of priorities for the session. You can find more information about the legislation right now on our website. Just look for the links in this story in the Texas politics section or scan the QR code on your screen to go directly to the page. A group of senators tout new bills to make the state's electric grid more reliable. Why some critics say it will likely come at a higher cost for consumers. It's already getting warmer. Now one lawmaker is working on a plan to help Texas renters beat the heat. What she's doing to push landlords to work faster to fix broken air conditioners. Following our investigation, state lawmakers are looking at ways to tackle transparency and licensing problems for Texas veterinarians. The safety update that could be coming soon at the Capitol. Lawmakers are trying to keep a closer eye on the state agency in charge of Texas animal doctors. A bill filed just last week would temporarily attach the Texas Vet Board to another state agency to help with data and management issues that have plagued the board for years, revealed in our ongoing investigation. Avery Travis has more about the plan and why some veterinarians think it's the wrong idea. Okay. For Dr. John Fott, every day is different. I think veterinary medicine is nuanced. It's okay. In his nearly two decades as a vet, he's seen everything from exotic animals to complicated diagnoses with family pets. He believes Texas needs a regulatory board with the same expertise. We've recognized there's been dysfunctions and, and probably some things that need to get resolved and fixed. Last year, KXAN discovered dozens of missing disciplinary records from the State Board of Veterinary Medical Examiners, which were supposed to be public, plus a backlog of complaints and investigations at the agency, leaving pet owners and doctors in the dark. 
At the time, the board pointed to trouble implementing the right data software. Several top leaders stepped down following our investigation. But all this came on the heels of at least three legislative reviews which had already diagnosed similar problems. The vet board in its current state wasn't demonstrating to Sunset or the legislature that they could handle those things. Representative Justin Holland serves as vice chair of the Sunset Advisory Commission, reviewing performance of state agencies. Earlier this year, it voted to attach the vet board to the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation for the next four years to get it back on track. They know how to take on licensees and different agencies and um, help them with their systems, their programs, their software. These are all things that are needed. I think there are a lot of agencies that have knowledge base on how to handle complaint resolutions like that that the state board could learn from and work with but I don't know that they need to be put underneath them can, uh, as a whole. Dr. Fott and other members of the state's veterinary association are worried about this treatment plan. They'd rather see TDLR in an advisory role along with some other agencies and experts keeping the vet board autonomous. However Holland says the move under this bill would be temporary but necessary. We're not trying to move their license to TDLR. We want them to um, issue their own licenses. Uh, we want them to be proud of their license and we want to be proud of the, the board that oversees and regulates their industry. You're okay, you're okay. We don't quite have that right now. Avery Travis for State of Texas. The new executive director of the vet board says they've made big changes in the last six months, claiming they've ramped up inspections and enforcement to protect the public and animals. She told us, quote, while we know we have a long way to go to restore the trust of the public and the legislature, we are confident that the agency is on the right track. Lawmakers still have to improve Sunset's recommendation in order to attach the vet board to TDLR. The bill was referred to the House Committee on Agriculture and Livestock last week. We'll keep following it. You can catch up on all of our coverage of this issue right now. Just look for the links in this story in the Texas Politics section of our website. A new package of legislation aims to improve power grid reliability. It has bipartisan support and a big potential problem. That's really going to increase the price of electricity in Texas. The cost concerns and the key need critics say is missing from the plan. Texas heat and a broken air conditioner. The combination leaves some people facing steamy apartments for long periods of time. How action at the Capitol could push landlords to speed up work to fix broken air conditioners. This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to ShelfGenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and a bipartisan group of state senators are touting new bills they say will make the state's electric grid more reliable. Even their critics agree with some of what's been proposed. But as Capitol reporter Monica Madden explains, they say you are going to have to pay a lot more for that peace of mind. This is a starting point of powering Texas forward. A bipartisan group of senators unveiled nine proposals they say will resolve any outstanding issues with Texas's power grid. The same grid that nearly collapsed two years ago during the February winter freeze. Several of the bills focus on bolstering and growing dispatchable energy. 
energy. Regardless of whether the wind's blowing or the sun's shining or whatever else may be happening, it's ready to go electricity. One bill would stop state incentives for renewable generation facilities. They've still got a lot of federal subsidy coming in. Another would create an energy insurance program to support the construction and operation of new generators, guaranteeing 10,000 megawatts always on standby, enough to power 7.5 million homes. As this is not building a capacity market, it is an insurance product. That's a lot of backup to have consumers pay for. But some critics fear these proposals will have a big price tag. Very expensive for consumers. Cyrus Reed of the Texas Sierra Club says the easiest solution is to reduce demand for electricity. If we were to increase the amount that utilities have to spend on energy efficiency, reducing people's demand, we could reduce that red line that's going up and up. Details both chambers will have to fine tune in the next two months. It will take several years. That's why we have to start now. Monica Madden for State of Texas. A law passed in 2021 required the Public Utility Commission to come up with its own plan to improve reliability. They developed the Performance Credit Mechanism, or PCM. It provides credits to providers to encourage them to produce more power when Texans need it. We reached out to PUC Chairman Peter Lake to get his reaction to the Senate plan. Lake sent us a statement saying they're all working together toward the goal of reliable and affordable energy, and that senators made it clear that his agency's PCM proposal is an important part of the solution that will achieve this for the Texas grid. Current data shows 90% of Texas counties have a shortage of primary care, impacting 7.5 million people. One senator is proposing new legislation he argues will address that shortage. The Heal Texans Act would allow advanced practice registered nurses to provide primary care without having to work under a physician. APRNs also include nurse practitioners. Under current law, they cannot diagnose illnesses or prescribe medications without a supervising doctor. The bill's author, El Paso Democrat Cesar Blanco, argues nurse practitioners are already trained to provide that care and removing that requirement will fill health care gaps. I am alive and able to come and talk to you today because of the life-saving care I received from my nurse practitioner. The Heal Texans Act would allow nurse practitioners to continue to do the work that they have already been doing, just without the administrative barriers and the financial barriers of having a supervising physician. The Texas Medical Association worried patient outcomes could decrease if nurse practitioners do not have as much expertise as physicians. Senator Blanco pushed back and said the debate will continue in the Senate. A deadly shooting at a Dallas hospital leads to new legislation that aims to protect hospital workers. A gunman killed Jacqueline Pacqua and Annette Flowers last October at Methodist Hospital. The accused shooter is a violent criminal on parole who had an active ankle monitor. He had permission to be at the hospital to visit his girlfriend who had their baby. Dallas State Representative Rafael Anchia filed legislation to require hospitals to be notified when a violent offender with an ankle monitor visits. Another bill makes it a third-degree felony to assault a hospital worker. Both pieces of legislation are named in honor of Flowers and Pacqua. A third bill makes it a felony for parolees to cut off their ankle monitor. The gunman in October shootings had previously cut off his monitor but served only 100 days in custody before being granted parole again.
Democratic State Representative James Tallarico introduced a bill that would dissolve the Texas Juvenile Justice Department. He proposes creating a new Office of Youth Safety and Rehabilitation in its place. The legislation aims to change the state's approach to juvenile justice by moving away from incarcerations and toward rehabilitation. The kids we are throwing in prison are the most vulnerable in our state. 95% have experienced household trauma. 91% of the girls in our system are likely sex trafficking victims. And 84% have serious unmet mental health needs. Half, half the kids in our child prisons are on suicide watch. Back in September, the Texas Tribune reported statewide staffing shortages meant children and teenagers are forced to stay in cells for up to 23 hours a day without water or bathroom breaks. In August, the then interim director told lawmakers her agency was, quote, woefully underfunded, adding that facilities were over capacity by 160 percent. We reached out to the Juvenile Justice Department for a comment on the bill. The department's executive director sent a statement. She wrote that the department is working to meet the needs of communities and youth in the system. She added that the staff, along with support from the governor's office and legislators, is what is needed to establish Texas as the leader in juvenile justice reform. A deal to settle a whistleblower lawsuit against Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton may be falling apart. Attorneys for the whistleblowers say they have not been able to reach a final agreement in the multi-million dollar settlement. The case stems from a lawsuit filed in 2020 by four former staffers who accused Paxton of corruption. They got fired from the attorney general's office after claiming Paxton misused his office to help a campaign donor. Those accusations led to an FBI investigation that's still in progress. No charges have been filed against Paxton. He has denied wrongdoing. In the preliminary settlement, Paxton agreed to apologize and pay the ex-staffers $3.3 million. Texas lawmakers would have to approve that funding. Several lawmakers have voiced opposition to using state funds to pay the settlement. The whistleblower's attorneys say Paxton's team is not meeting terms of the agreement. In a statement, the attorneys said they could not reach a final settlement because of the Office of the Attorney General would not agree to a deadline to have the legislature approve funding this session. They're asking the Texas Supreme Court to revisit the case. Paxton's team put the blame on the whistleblowers. The chief of general litigation at the AG's office called the brief filed with the Supreme Court misleading. He accused the attorneys of coordinating with the media to create drama. The whistleblowers' attorneys said the settlement was based on the premise that the funding would be approved this session. It's not clear when the Supreme Court would take up the case again. I felt helpless. I couldn't do anything. Our investigation uncovered renters facing the Texas heat without air conditioning. Now, action from a state lawmaker. How it could get landlords to fix broken ACs faster. An Austin woman featured in one of our investigations is now the inspiration for an effort to change Texas law. Investigator Mike Rush shows us how a proposed bill would make AC repair in apartment complexes a high priority. I felt helpless. I couldn't do anything. When we introduced you to Thelma Reyes last summer, the thermostat read above 90 degrees. She was having a hard time keeping her cool. It was hotter in here than it was outside. 
She told us her apartment's AC wasn't working and lasted for five days, even though she complained to management. I called every day. So now what? What are we going to do? When are you going to do it? And they were not responsive to me initially or to KXAN. But this bill came about to remedy her situation, which they did do eventually. When State Representative Cheryl Cole had to get involved to try to help, she decided state law needed to change. So I wanted to do something to stand behind Mr. Reyes and other people in similar situations. Last July, the Austin Tenants Council told me it was getting on average five calls a day from renters complaining of no AC. Cole told me that she would file legislation to hold apartment landlords and management accountable. And late last month, she filed House Bill 2592. The measure requires apartments statewide to provide air conditioning that maintains a temperature of 10 degrees below the recorded temperature outside or 85 degrees, whichever is lower. It requires landlords or management to repair or replace faulty air conditioning within five days or provide the renter an air conditioning unit or another place to stay until repairs are made. We want to protect our tenants from the calamity or stalling that happened with her and her apartment complex. Mike Rush, State of Texas. Representative Cole says if she gets pushback on the bill, it would most likely come from the Texas Apartment Association. We reached out to the TAA. A spokesperson told us the organization has not yet taken a position on the bill. They sent us a written statement saying, while enforcement is typically through local code officials, the property code provides additional remedies in situations that affect health or safety. The statement added that the organization looks forward to learning more about why current law is not sufficient and additional protections may be needed. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.